Trubisky headed to the Pro Bowl. Adam Hogar, Bears expert. This was great news for Mitchell Trubisky today. How psyched were you? Yeah, hi, Andre. How are you uh, doing? It, it's I'm good. It, it, it was uh, you know kind of on my radar because I knew he was an alternate. They just don't list uh, you know for they don't list who's first alternate, who's second alternate, who's third alternate. So we knew it was a possibility because Drew Brees and Jared Goff they played against each other yesterday, winner goes on to the Super Bowl, and they're both pro bowlers. So we knew a spot was going to open up, and uh, it turns out it was Mitch Trubisky. I think some people are surprised. Uh, you know, you just look back at the polarizing type of season he had, both here uh, uh, in Chicago and also nationally. Actually, I think nationally there's more of a – I think people are more stunned about this because, um, you know, I, I think those of us that saw him play every snap the whole season realized that he actually had a pretty good year. Um, and I don't know if I'd categorize it as Pro Bowl, yeah, but, yeah. you know, he, he, he gets the nod, and he's the first Bears quarterback to reach the Pro Bowl since Jim McMahon did it back in the 1985 Super Bowl season, wow. which is just... That's just way too long to, oh, I, to not have I, a Pro Bowl quarterback. Exactly, Adam. I thought I don't know if I'm happy or sad about that. I thought Jay Cutler went to the Pro Bowl at one point, but apparently he was he was an alternate, right? Well, no, he did make the Pro Bowl, he but did. that was with Denver before he oh, was traded right. to Chicago. Okay, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Well, you know, and I'm reading all the articles today, and I was listening to you a little earlier too. I know Trubisky still has a lot of work to do, but to make a Pro Bowl in his second season, that's a that's got to be a great sign. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I think whether he got the nod or not here, I think, uh, again, I go, I go back to um, the, the polarizing type of season. You know, it, it's just like in any media. Um, it it kind of depends who you're listening to and how your opinions are, are shaped, right? So, you know, there's been a lot of national narrative for whatever reason that he's not that good and um, that he hasn't played that well. You know, I, he did have 12 interceptions this season, so sometimes if you're not watching the entire game and you only see the highlights and you see he has, you know, the, the game against the Rams, which the Bears ended up winning on Sunday Night Football, he, that was actually one of his worst games of the season. So, you know, if that was your only experience watching Mitch Trubisky this season, you probably didn't think he was that good. Um, but the reality is he was the definition of a player who got better each and every game. Um, yeah, there were some hiccups here and there, but I'm talking about from the start of the season to the end of the season. His arrow was pointed up, uh, and I think it still is pointed up in this offense under Matt Nagy, and I, I personally expect a huge jump next season uh, once he gets in the second year of Matt Nagy's system. I think so, too. I think the only person maybe not happy for Mitchell Trubisky was Michael Heideman because he's a Packer fan. He's all upset yeah. that Aaron Rodgers. Is Aaron Rodgers pro bowling it this year? Oh, of course he is. Of course. Is he really? Yeah, but he gave up his spot, too, though, which, you know, if he hadn't done that, Russell Wilson would have gotten Jared Goff's spot. So, but well, Russell but Wilson took Aaron Rodgers' fault. So really, it's Aaron Rodgers' fault that Mitch Trubisky's in the Pro Bowl. Wait, say the last thing again. We're getting we're then, getting heckled here. Yeah. Go, go ahead, Adam. I, I won't let the, no. the Packers fan. Let me let me the shut peen, their mics the, off. Yeah. The okay, you're good. I was, I was just making sure the Packer fan knows that it's Aaron Rodgers' fault that Mitch Trubisky made the Pro Bowl because. Uh, uh, yeah. There we go. So you're welcome. Is it, which we should say? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> This it wasn't Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, recovering well, from injury. <laughs> man, guys, it, oh my god, the guy could be arrested for something. You go, well, you know, it wasn't really his fault. 
<laughs> Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's arrested for being too good. To be honest, okay. that, that season wasn't okay. anything to write home about either for the Packers. So I think that if, right. if they can get any kind of um, some good news, maybe him going to the the Pro Bowl with Devontae Adams is there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be shooting for next year. So good for Mitch Trubisky. But there you go. Yeah. Well, very just, nice. It yeah. was very honorable. Yeah, you, like like any Packer fan, very kind and uh, <laughs> considerate to, to okay. all these Bears fans. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's a rarity. Sure. <laughs> Adam, what do you see next year? All right, yeah, you already indicated you think Trubisky. Um, this is gonna it's gonna be another great year for the Bears. This isn't gonna be like a one and done. Like they lose their momentum and because of that last game, that's all. That's that's all behind us now, right? Oh, I don't think so. I think you look at the age of this team, um, you know, it's like mid-20s. They're they're still one of the youngest teams in the league. Um, You know, the defense, there's so many players throughout the roster that should just get better because they're so young, like Roquan Smith, the middle linebacker who, um, you know, first-round pick, had a great rookie year, and he he should only be getting better just like Mitch Trubisky. So there's, there's so many young players to get excited about. Um, now, I'll tell you what is going to get harder, and that's the schedule. Um, they're going to be playing a first-place schedule next year. You look you look up and down the schedule, it's a ton of playoff teams. They're, you got the games against their division, and now we learn today they're going to go to London and play the Raiders, um, which is a really cool opportunity, but then you're dealing with the jet lag and, sure. um, and the travel of all that. So, um, you know, you accept it because it's a cool opportunity and you're going to be playing a road game anyway. It's not like the Bears had to give up a home game to play in London. Yeah, um, yeah. But but it does add just an extra challenge to an already difficult schedule. It's going to be a lot harder road to the playoffs next season than it was this year. But I think the team should be better, and that and they'll be well-equipped to handle it. I'm super psyched. I was very excited to hear that the Raiders are going to play the Bears uh, in London next season. But how, how do the players i think you just gave a little bit of an indication there adam that it is a little it's rough you know you're going overseas you got the jet lag then you got to come right back um i know fans think this is super cool and i do too but how do the players feel about something like this is it kind of mixed emotions yeah you know it's a good question because they um they haven't been to london since 20 uh 2011 uh which was the first year i was covering the team but i didn't make that trip um and all the players obviously have turned over so it's been a while since we've even had this conversation with the players, I think most of them uh, embrace it. You know, I saw uh, Allen Robinson tweet today the news out right away, and he was excited about it. Um, you know, they get to bring their families. It's an opportunity to to go see you know another part of the world for those that haven't been out there before. Yeah. I think for the most part they like it. It's not like having to play a Thursday game, which most uh, players don't like. And the one thing that I should bring up is they do get the bye week immediately following the game. So right. when they come home, it's not like they have to quickly turn around and play a game the next week. They um, they typically get the bye week right away. So it's, it's not it, – I think for the most part, they'll be happy about the trip to London. I think so. Too. Are you going to go? I hope so. I think I should go, I, uh, too, and help. Yeah, I mean, we just got to get Dave Annett on the phone right now, and, and we can ask him if I'm going. Oh, but, you know what? I'll uh, ask him yeah. for you and for me. I, I got an in with Annett. He's fine. <laughs> We're golden. We're good to go. <laughs> hey, yeah, Adam. no, I, 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 it should be a fun trip, and, uh, and uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it. I know you have to go. You have to roll. You have other uh, media appearances uh, tonight. But real quick, what do you think of the uh, Rams and the Nasty Patriots? 
matchup. And I say nasty just because I'm tired. I'm on the whole. I'm tired of tired of the Patriots and Tom Brady. Sorry, Anna. Yeah, I kind. Of, no, I kind of am too. I, uh, you know, I'm going to be on Radio Row next week again. Um, we'll have the coverage all week long on WGN Radio and WGNRadio.com. But I, I was kind of selfishly rooting for a Rams Chiefs. Super Bowl because I just I thought it had the best storylines for the Bears and I'm like God we really have to cover the Patriots in the Super Bowl again. Oh God! Um, but you know it, they made it and then the dynasty and that'll be part of the storylines next week. Uh, you know the interesting thing is they their dynasty started by beating the then St. Louis Rams in the Super Bowl and uh, that that started this incredibly long dynasty for Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Uh, so it would be very, very interesting if the Rams were the team that kind of brought the end to the Patriots dynasty. Yeah. Um, so that's certainly something we'll be talking about next week. Or flip side, if, if the Patriots win, do you see Tom Brady retiring? Going out on top? Making a couple of You know, I, I went into this year thinking it was the last year. Mm-hmm. Um but now, I, I mean, it's not like his play dipped off that much. No. Bill Belichick doesn't seem like he's ready to quit coaching. So, I don't know. It's one of those things that I'll believe it when I see it. Otherwise, I just feel like they're just going to keep going. I hear you. I hear you. Adam, thank you so much. I know you got a lot going on, but thank you very much. Where can we follow you online and on Twitter? Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, and you can find all my Bears coverage at WGNRadio.com. You're the best. Thanks, Adam. All right. Have a good night. You do the same, my friend. More after this on 720 WGN. All right, just ahead of the news, let's go to the phone line, see who's going to win a Lou Malnati's pizza to tell us something about one or more of our guests on Andrea and the Reporters in our 7 o'clock hour. Hi, Charlie. Hey, how you doing? Hey, good. Thanks for listening to the show. Hey, I, I just wanted to say um, the two you mentioned were both editors of their school newspaper. You're absolutely right. High school. That's right. You're absolutely right. Hold on the line. Talk to Michael. You went to Lou Malnati's Pizza. That's Ann Cavanaugh and Mary Ann Ahern were both editors of their school newspapers. The fact I was going to tell you about Chia Campos is that she was from Utah. I thought that was kind of cool. So we're all from different places, but we all come back together to work uh, to work with each other. Well, I'd like to take one more call before we get to the news. Barbara, you said someone on our panel inspired you tonight. Oh, many times. Ann Kavanaugh, I used to watch her face religiously, and I, everything she did, she was tall, you know, she was just beautiful, and I'm very tall, and I used to watch her clothes, she had this beautiful blue dress and coat, and I said, oh my gosh, how striking, you know, and I I used to use her, like, as a pattern. I said, look how gorgeous, and she was so uh, uplifting, like, her attitude, so you people don't know how you influence people. Another little one, uh, completely opposite like Cameron Hall was on, oh, sure. and uh, we, I had a friend, you know, very similar to her, tiny, and she, very confused with what to wear in her hair, and she had the cutest thing. I said, watch her. Just watch the, the news people. You know, they're the leaders. You want a good hairstyle, do it. You know, watch them. Watch how they carry themselves, you know, and I just loved Anne. Oh, I just loved her. She's, I missed her. I missed her day one. She's wonderful. She's still just yep. as stunning, and I have to tell you, Anne Marianne and she had this is this is truth all as sweet as and kind yes. and nice uh, as you see them on television and, and on the internet and on mm-hmm. their blogs as they are in person uh-huh. so thank and you, you too andrea uh-huh. i just i i missed you in the morning but i'm so glad you're doing this well thank you so much i appreciate that okay. Barbara. have a great night you too bye-bye dear bye-bye now we'll talk to alex stone from uh, los angeles about uh, camilla harris hopping uh, into the race for the president 
720 WGN. It is 840. We move on to some national news. Kamala Harris from California today announcing that she is going to run for president in 2020, arguing that the time has come to fight against what she views as the injustices of the past two years of the Trump presidency. Sounds a little familiar, but a new face in the race. Alex Stone with ABC News covering all the news out in Los Angeles and joins us now to talk about this development. Hi, Alex. How are you? Hey there, Andrea. Doing well. And, uh, yeah, she's now the latest Democratic name uh, in the the running here. And likely there are going to be quite a few more. But just in the last couple of days, Kirsten Gillibrand, Tulsi Gabbard from Hawaii, uh, Julian Castro. And then you've got Elizabeth Warren, who uh, is forming a presidential exploratory committee. And now you have Kamala Harris, somebody that on a national side, people are beginning to, to know who she is, know her name especially uh, during the the Kavanaugh hearings on the Senate Judiciary Committee when she did a lot of the the questioning. But here in California, she's been known for quite a while. She was the attorney general. She was San Francisco's district attorney for quite some time. And there's a a lot of reaction on both sides coming in now, and not all of it positive from either side. But she is a, a rising star in the, the Democratic Party. Absolutely. And we were scurrying around our newsroom today, too, where we're saying Kamala, Kamala. So I, now she is absolutely on the map. How was she as attorney general and uh, a freshman senator for California? Well, she's been pretty popular in what is a, a very blue state here uh, among Democrats. Uh, they, they've supported her, but uh, they're not uh, not everybody's behind her, even on the, the left. And uh, the biggest issues being that while she was attorney general, she supported the death penalty. Uh, she uh, pushed to, to criminalize parents whose uh, children were skipping school. And the, the Democrats weren't really in line with that. They, they did not want support of the death penalty, and they did not want parents to be criminally penalized uh, if their, their kids weren't going to school. So there are some on the left who tonight are saying no that she is not the one Democrats should go for. And Republicans are jumping on that, saying, look, if Democrats can't agree that this is a good candidate, then why would independents or, or Republicans support anybody uh, like Kamala Harris? But, uh, you know, this, this can be expected. She only made the announcement uh, about 13 hours ago, and already the opposition on both sides yep. is coming out. But the the yep. big thing here is going to be, uh, Eric Garcetti. He is the current mayor of L.A. Many big-name Democrats in California have said if he runs, they will get his. Uh, they will give him their support, uh, and that would hurt Harris. That she needs in California the the big money, the big support. This is where her supporters are. That if they go to Eric Garcetti, that would be a major blow for Harris. Yeah, and I think the broader picture, too, Alex, is that we're coming off of women's marches all across the country, and now in a, in a 2020 field that already includes four women, as you mentioned, Elizabeth Warren could be the fifth to hop in there. I know she has the exploratory committee. But 2020, I could really see this being the year with that we could elect a female president. Well, there is that potential, uh, at least on the Democrat side, if, uh, if voters were to, to go that way. Yeah, interesting, too, as Harris gets in, that, Diane Feinstein has said she would like somebody other than Harris. Well, that may not be helpful either in a, a state that keeps electing uh, Diane Feinstein. So, you know, Harris may or may not be the one that, that is able to take it all the way. But at the same time, 
she was very much supported, at least as Attorney General, by former President Obama. They seemed to be, at the time, very close, that if she can get the support of the former president and if he were to campaign for and really be out there for, all the, the opponents may disappear on the, the Democrat side and, and they may say, okay, I, uh, the, the former president uh, supports her, then, then they support her as well. So no telling where this is going to go. I mean, think back in the last election and when Donald Trump first got in it, yeah. uh, people laughed and, and thought he was there self-promoting his own business and his own books, and now he's the president of the United States. So these early names, you never know. You never know the, the most well-known names right now may or may not do well. And the least known names, I think back to President Obama, oh, yeah. when people couldn't figure out how to say Barack, uh, that, that they may be the ones that uh, that end up jumping to the top. You never know. Right, and he was our state senator too, Alex, and I remember the big controversy, you know, and I put that in quotes, with Barack Hussein Obama. Oh, my goodness, this couldn't happen. This first time, this junior senator, state senator from Illinois. So you never know. You're absolutely right. I always enjoy, her backstory reminds me, it's interesting that you bring up Barack Obama. Her backstory reminds me a little bit of his the neighborhood watch campaigning and i love the story about she would go to the grocery store and use her ironing board and hold up her posters and her flyers so that's why she's going to be kicking off uh, the campaign in northern california i believe in that area where she would go to those grocery stores with the ironing board i just thought that kind of hit me i thought that oh that's one way to resonate with the voters yeah she's the, the daughter of an indian mother a jamaican father she grew up in oakland and that's where she's going to officially, even though she announced that she's going to run today, she's officially kicking off her campaign on Sunday in Oakland. But her campaign is going to be headquartered out of Baltimore. That's going to be her base, which a lot of people thought, well, that's interesting that it wouldn't be in California. But she says she's choosing that because she needs to be a little bit closer to Washington because she is still a, a sitting senator. Can't be. It, it takes too long to go back and forth to California. So if she can do Baltimore, it has a diverse population, a lot of issues going on in that city that makes it very similar to, to what Oakland deals with, uh, with crime rates and with racial issues, that she's going to make uh, that the, the home base. But she says she chose today because of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, MLK Day, that uh, she cited uh, him, the, the leader, for inspiration, saying she wants to continue his fight to make the country better. It was not by coincidence that today was the day that that she came out. And and in San Francisco, we're hearing from folks as well, where they know her so well. Uh, Willie Brown, the, the former mayor of San Francisco, he says that he thinks she is a, a truly formidable uh, candidate and that she, he believes, could win the whole thing. The head of the Republican Party or one of the leadership members of the Republican Party in San Francisco says, nope. That she is way too liberal, too to the left, and that middle America will never go for her. And she is considered a progressive lawmaker. She was considered a progressive prosecutor, a progressive attorney general. That that, that will be something that, that she'll have to deal with in, in uh, the parts of the country where she's going to be shown as just way too far to the left. Yeah, I agree. And 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 it doesn't does it help or does it hurt that California has moved up its primary to Super Tuesday? Well, it may help her only because she's so well-known in California that whereas California used to be nothing in the, the primary season, that she may really, and all the candidates, will really have to campaign in California. 
So she'll be on friendly territory, friendly turf, being able to campaign, get her name out there. If she can have big rallies and big donors, that's going to look good on the, the national stage. Instead of, say, it was a, a big primary on the East Coast where she may fly in and nobody really may know who she is. You wouldn't have big turnout. The optics wouldn't look that great. But having an, an early primary in a major populated state like California that knows you, that, that can only be helpful if, if things are going her direction. If everything doesn't turn toward Eric Garcetti, if he were to jump in, then it could look very good for her. It's going to be interesting, just like our mayor's race. Hey, Alex, can you hold on a second? Sure. Okay, good. That's ABC's Alex Stone joining us from California. We'll have much more with Alex coming up after this on 720 WGN. It's 851, 720 WGN. I'm Andrea Darlis. Alex Stone joins us live from ABC News in Los Angeles. We were talking a little bit about uh, Kamala Harris running for president in 2020. But Alex, I have to, uh, I have to break a little bit and talk about uh, one of my favorite subjects, entertainment. I know you have covered the Oscars on many occasions. <laughs> It's a, it's a dream of mine. I've always wanted to. I've always wanted to cover it. I don't think that's going to happen now. And I've always wanted to go to an Oscar ceremony, and I've never been. Am I missing out? Is it is it really? It is cool, isn't it? You don't have to sugarcoat. Well, yeah, no, it, it is cool. Um, the the media side of it, though. Uh, I mean, there are so many media from around the world that come in, which on one side is really awesome because. It's one of those unique opportunities where every step you take, you hear a reporter talking in a, a different language, and they, and, you know, everybody is pumped up, everybody's excited. It's not a disaster like we're normally covering, and, and it's <laughs> it's fun, and and that, but it's also just crazy. I mean, all the streets are shut down, people are everywhere. Depending on where your badge gets you into, uh, you, you can get into certain areas, you can't get into others. And really the coverage of it, quote-unquote, this is giving away a secret, but quote-unquote backstage is a ballroom in a hotel next door to the, the theater. And so then the stars come back there, and they they go up on a stage after they get off of the, the main stage, uh, and then they answer our questions. So it is really cool, but and we all have to, it's all black tie for everybody, which adds that extra element to it. I mean, even if, you know, you are... Uh, you running papers and, and and just helping people out. You're in a tux or in an evening gown. Uh, so everybody who's anywhere around it, even the police officers, are in tuxes. They're not in LAPD uniforms, and they've got their guns and everything underneath their their tux coats. That uh, it's quite an experience, but it's crazy at the same time. It's just such a big event. Oh, I bet it is. We're we're talking about the Oscars with Alex Stone. They're being announced very early tomorrow morning. ABC, of course, is broadcasting the Academy Awards ceremony live on Sunday, February twenty fourth. And so I'm asking Alex a little bit about the behind the scenes. I had no idea that it was it was like that. That it, I guess it would make sense that it's crazy. Did the fans still camp out? I remember years ago watching these people camp out on these bleachers, maybe this was pre-9-11, for just days and days hoping to get that spot so they could see whoever walking in. Well, they do, except to get on the bleachers now. You have to go through, a, and like you say, it's because of 9-11 and, and other security issues that uh, the Academy has to have their name, and they go through a kind of miniature background check. Uh, before they're allowed in that area. So the, the uh, bleacher fans who are along the red carpet are typically uh, people who won contests uh, either through radio stations or 
uh, through sponsors like you know Pepsi or Dorito, and then they're they're allowed to be there. But then just beyond the barricades where the limos pull up, that is where people do camp out to be across the street, and they get there very early, and it is shoulder to shoulder people from all around the world. And some people just happen to be in L.A. at that time, and they thought, well, this is pretty cool. They'll go down there, and they can see all of the limos pull up, and the, the stars get out of the limos, and they're watching from maybe two, 300 feet away across the street. Uh, and then the stars get out. They immediately go into a big security tent. They have to go through security as well. Uh, they go through magnetometers and put their bags through uh, X-ray machines. You never see that part because it's completely covered on the red carpet in a big tent that uh, is uh, usually red, I believe, that, uh-huh. that has kind of red velvet ropes or uh, curtains on it. And then when they emerge from that tent, that's when you begin to see them on truly the red carpet. And that's when they begin doing the interviews. But the, the area that we get to do the interviews in is about the size of your two feet put together, and that is it. I mean, people are literally sitting on each other, and you walk up and see your square oh, of yeah. where you can stand, and it is about the size of a piece of copy paper. Oh, and you no. think, how am I going to stand in this thing? I mean, it is tiny. They, they really... They got a lot of media, and they, they got to get them all in, but it makes it fun. I had this whole pipe dream. I thought there would be butlers bringing you out little appetizers <laughs> and, and snacks. No, no. I, I was, but the food, quote-unquote, backstage, but in that media room, uh-huh. the food is, is pretty darn amazing. It is it is very good food. They, they do, unlike many of the award shows, they, they do give us food there. Well, Alex, you are the best. Thanks for chit-chatting with us with uh, for a little bit, and uh, be safe out there. You got it. Sounds good. Thanks, Andrea. All right. Take care. That's the great Alex Stone from ABC News. You can follow him on Twitter, and you can always hear his reports right here on 720 WGN. He is the best. Did you ever want to go to the Oscars, Michael? That's something I've always wanted to go to. But oh no, go to the Oscars? Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, that'd be a dream. But I, I feel like I'd have to have the like a chance to win the trophy to actually. I go know. There. I know. I've always wanted to win an Oscar. I don't. Again, I don't think that's ever going to happen. We yeah, had there's sound engineering. We and like they're reporting. You never never say never. We had a host whose son married a woman who, for one summer, was a, a seat filler in Hollywood. So what? during award season, she would go to the Oscar. You know everything that was the all the awards. Mm-hmm. She would be a seat filler. That's a, that is Wouldn't an amazing cool? job. Yeah, I'm sorry yes. to sit in Nicole Kidman's seat while she goes to the loo. <laughs> so are you? Did she need to just wait in the wings and then like dive into whatever seat was open at the time and just? I think yeah, you wait. So they indicate that they have to you know take a break or use the the restroom or whatnot, and then they basically you know they have almost like a maitre d calling in the kids. <laughs> if you will, and the seat fillers. I wonder if they're allowed to talk to the celebrities who are sitting next to them. Then. I don't think so. Oh. I think you can't talk. You can't. Oh, are you kidding? I'd be like, selfie. Yeah, I'd be like, hey, what's up, Brad Pitt? Uh, yeah. Just uh, <laughs> hanging over here. I'm from Chicago. You know, I work, at, I work on WGN. Hey, Angelina, what great, <laughs> what great diamond earrings. <laughs> oh, what a dream job. But you have some news. You're going to be going to a major award ceremony. Yes, yes, I am. I, and it does take place in Los Angeles. The uh, Grammy Wait, Awards. Oh, I was going to oh. say, don't tell. Oh, I was going to. Oh, darn we, it. The big reveal. Yeah. All right, but we'll talk about you she going. You get to go to the Grammys yes. this year in a couple of weeks. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about that after the news, and we're going to touch base with Reverend Dr. Janet Wilson on this Martin Luther King Day. We'll talk a little bit about Dr. King's impact on the world, the nation, and of course, right here in Chicago. That's next, 720 WGN. <laughs>
720 WGN. Thank you, Don. We are closely monitoring that situation in Orland Park at the Orland Square Mall. Don, thanks so much for uh, being so on that. I know that happened about 630 tonight, and you broke right in. We were talking. I know you had that early on about that shooting at Orland. So right, what they're saying right now is that they still are evacuating that area. The mall has been evacuated. There has been a person shot and killed. No one is in custody. That, according to Channel 9, uh, now, and that's what we know so far, Don? Yep, that is right, Andrea. Yeah, it's a 19-year-old who was hurt, uh, and he's the one shooting victim as of now. Police are there, as you mentioned, SWAT and Illinois State Police FBI also helping. They believe the shooters left the area, according to uh, Deputy Police Chief Joseph Mitchell there, but um, and they don't have a motive yet, but they say they do think it was an isolated incident. Yeah, it sounds like that, like a, maybe perhaps, a, a, we're, I'm just speculating here too, maybe just an argument or something between two people. It doesn't sound as though this person and went into the mall and opened fire. It sounds as though it was just on this one person. Uh, and as Don mentioned, at 8 o'clock, police say they performed an entire search of the mall. They believe the shooter had left the building. The mall was completely evacuated. Police had to go door in every store in that mall. It's a big mall. I grew up not too far from there. Um, and they had to go in every store and just make sure that everybody was okay. Uh, so again, multiple jurisdictions are present there, including, as you said, Don, state police, the SWAT team, Cook County Sheriff's Police at that scene in Orland Park, and they're still looking for that shooter. Yes, that is correct. Uh, we do have, I, I want to, I, I should probably wait, honestly, to confirm. Oh, no, no, the Tribune actually tweeting right now that that 19-year-old who was shot has died. Yeah, so yeah. Channel 9 confirming that as well, too. Yeah, so that's, so that one, one killed after the shooting, and then the guy's still at large now. Okay, and police continue to investigate. They said they are right now looking at security camera footage that is aiding in their investigation. They believe they know who they are looking for and have a very good description of this particular suspect. Uh, six feet one, wearing dark clothing and blue jeans, African-American man firing shots and striking and killing a 19-year-old. So we'll keep you posted on that story. Thank you so much, Don. Oh, my pleasure, Andrea. Developing story. It's very scary when, uh, you know, when we cover these awful, unfortunate stories all the time, and then when you hear about it being in an area that you grew up in, I mean, did you guys, I mean, growing up, kind of hang out at the mall? Sure. I old, did. Old Orchard, man. That yeah, was right? We, we just, that was where me and my friends creeped around on the weekends yeah it's haunted that place that's what you did you ate at the food court mm-hmm. you Saw had pizza movies. at the sabaro yeah definitely yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? that's, that's the first thing i was thinking of too yeah. right chinese food where they would always give out free samples of egg rolls mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. frozen yogurt they yes. had frozen yogurt place oh. there for sure oh we all had similar childhood mm-hmm. generations apart right oh yeah the suburbs of Illinois. I know. God, you got to love the suburbs. Well, hopefully everybody uh, has been evacuated from that mall and police will find who they are looking for. We will definitely keep you updated on this developing story. All right. We are going to talk Oscar nominations in just a little bit, but we wanted to uh, talk a little bit about Martin Luther King Day. Uh, we were going to speak with Reverend Dr. Janet Wilson. She has been out doing media interviews all day. She's uh, been detained, uh, not detained, she's been delayed, actually, and uh, she works directly with Jesse Jackson, the Reverend Jesse Jackson. Uh, very interesting article. We're going to play a little bit of Dr. King's speech for you just because his influence on Chicago was so powerful. Uh, Madeline Inherjerika of the Sun-Times wrote a really nice article yesterday, and then they reprinted it today in the Sun-Times, uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson, where she interviewed him and talked a little bit about uh, Reverend Jackson marched many times with Dr. King. He would have been 90 this year, and Jackson did this one-on-one interview 
uh, with on today, yes, over the weekend, reflecting on the holiday, honoring his mentor and his friend. Uh, as the years go by, she says there were fewer of those who marched with him to share their memories, but Reverend Jackson, one of his closest aides, can still recount milestone moments from King Chicago Freedom Movement of 1965 and 1966. And she goes on to quote the Reverend as he's telling stories about the offices used to be located right on 47th Street in Bronzeville. And he says they used to meet every Saturday morning for coffee at the Chicago Theological Seminary. Jesse Jackson is 77. He said he first met Dr. King uh, at an airport in 1964 when Dr. King was en route to pick up his Nobel Peace Prize. He then marched with King in 1965 in Selma to Montgomery that March and joined the team of civil rights leaders, then eventually was assigned to run Operation Breadbasket uh, pre-push. This was in the Southern Christian Leadership Conference's anti-poverty effort. And some Chicago churches still standing today were actually the sites of many of these meetings where they'd strategize, including the Fellowship Baptist Church, which is on South Princeton, the New Friendship Baptist Church, which is on 71st, and the Stone Temple Baptist Church, which was on Douglas Boulevard. So we wanted to play you a little bit of Dr. King's speech on this holiday honoring the civil rights leader as we head into the break. I am happy to join with you today in what will go down in history as the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. Five score years ago, a great American in whose symbolic shadow we stand today signed the Emancipation Proclamation. This momentous decree came as a great beacon light of hope to millions of Negro slaves who had been seared in the flames of withering injustice. It came as a joyous daybreak to end the long night of their captivity. But 100 years later, the Negro still is not free. 100 years later, the life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination. 100 years later, the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That music can only mean one thing. It's almost Oscar time. Before dawn in Los Angeles, Kamel Nunjani and Tracy Ellis Ross will gather to read this year's Oscar nominations in 24 categories. Which film will get the most nomination? Any guesses? Michael, Don, are you Oscar enthusiasts? What are we thinking? I love I love watching it ever since I was a little kid. I, I would stay up and watch the, the full show. And I know yeah. that sounds really dorky. No, but I did that's, too. 
Yeah, I, I really enjoyed. It. I like the fan. I like fanfare of anything. Um, this year had a lot of great movies that came through. A lot of the indie movies are that I've been seeing popping up. Uh, the Beale Street movie is is a front runner. I know. Have you uh, seen that? That's the one I have not seen. Yeah, that's the one I haven't seen either. I'm still rooting for um, A Star Is Born because okay. I think that one is going to be. It that, was that's pretty what, solid. You liked it, right? I really, really like that movie. I mean, there there's not a lot of movies I can be enthralled with the, the entire time. I thought the music was fantastic. Um, I thought the acting of Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga was was amazing, and uh, the soundtrack that um, that Lucas Nelson, Willie Nelson's son, helped write. Oh, uh, did he really? Yeah, he helped write a lot of that. A lot of those songs that Bradley Cooper sings in the in the film, um, I think that lent a, itself a lot to the, the majesty of the movie. So who knows what's going to happen? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really have a lot of insight into the other movies besides those two. Okay, mm-hmm. so this year I got uh, well the. Uh, so we're members of SAG-AFTRA, mm-hmm. and I had I watched the movies. I watched I think all of the movies that are going to be nominated, or at least all the ones that have been nominated so far, like A Star Is Born, um, um, Green Book. I have to say, Mary Poppins. I watched the other night, which was excellent. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you, I loved Green Book. I don't yeah, know. Me if, too. I, really, I, yeah. I love Green Gr- Book. I loved Green Book, and I loved. Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, mm-hmm. Bohemian. I saw that today. On I re- I so love that. I thought it was so good. And I, okay, I like Queen. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of those. Oh, you know, lived and died for Queen. I didn't listen to them back. You know, in the day, it wasn't mm-hmm. really like my music, my my genre. But I, I like We Will Rock You. Mm-hmm. I loved the story. Uh, what the the actor who plays uh, Freddie Mercury, Rami Malek. Rami Malek. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Killed I thought it. I was watching Freddie Mercury. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he crushed it. It's, mm-hmm. It was an unbelievable. He job was by him. he was so good, and I liked The Star Is Born, Michael. Mm-hmm. I did. I liked the music, but I just think Best Actor. This kid just blew Bradley Cooper away. Yeah, and I know it's not supposed to be a contest, but it is. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah they had some. Only one can get the award, right? So yeah, there is there is a giant golden statue that she wins. So pretty I, big contest. Wouldn't that be Bradley, so cool? Bradley Cooper was good. Obviously, Rami Malek, and then you know Christian Bale for uh, Dick Cheney. And oh, Vice. So, that was a great movie. Yeah, he really disappeared into that. that character for sure. Christian as, as he does, Bale, man. and you know he's not someone. I don't think Christian Bale would be someone I would go hang out with. I mean, not that I'd hang out with any celebrity, really. <laughs> Let's be real, but Christian Bale, I, I don't think he'd be like, oh, warm and fuzzy, kind Might of a, be a little intense. Yeah, like, he is bar, very intense. I, <laughs> I thought I was watching Dick Cheney. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. he's he's he disappears. He does. He's a method actor like Gary Oldman too. Those guys just oh, get Christ- swallowed up. Yeah. Into it. Okay, so now that you bring that up, so Christian Bale, I think, is going to be nominated. Um, if you guys haven't seen Green Book, I really think uh, Maricala, um, wait, Mahershala, Mahershala Ali, Ali mm-hmm. and Viggo Mortensen were. Fantastic! Just so likable, you know. They like, were both so good, just so likable. And I mean, it's you know, it's it's chronicling you know racism through the South in the '60s. Like it could have been such a darker movie, and it was just kind of about the two guys and their budding friendship. And it was it, it was really it was such a good time, so fun. I liked it. I thought it was an excellent movie. Um, again, as you said, Donna talked about the, the times. I think they both played great characters. I did not know it was based on a true story. No, me um, I'm surprised that Roma. Has mm-hmm. won. Roma has won the Golden Globe. Roma has won the uh, what was the other one that they just had a few weeks ago? The Critics' Choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the SAG Awards are coming up this weekend. Mega Mullally is hosting the SAG Awards. Oh yeah, that's oh. right. 
possible future guest as yes, well. Yes, <laughs> I know. I love her. I love her. I love her. Um, I haven't seen Roma. That just seems Mm-mm, to be taking everything away. This always happens every year, though. There's always these movies that, that get so much steam, and I'm like, where do they even come from? Oh, it's been out for an entire year, and I haven't even heard of it? I right. know. There's also two movies. Uh, they're kind of period pieces, The Favorite mm-hmm. and Mary Queen of Scots. Oh, right. The fa- yeah, oh, i got to watch those two. God, The Favorite was so good. It was um, Emma Stone. Oh. And Rachel Weiss were competing for the Queen's affections. They wanted to kind of be her her number one girl, if you will. Oh, okay. And what they did and just the lengths that they would go to to try and, you know, step over each other to get this position to be like the, not the Lord, but the, the, the main lady yeah. of the house. I thought it was just excellent. Sweet. I thought it was so good. And then Mary Queen of Scots. There's an actress named Saoirse Ronan mm-hmm. who's been nominated. Game of Thrones. Yeah, oh, that's my right. God. Yeah, that's right. I Could she her. play anything? I think she's twenty three Michael. Oh wait, you have a you have a sweet girlfriend. Oh, I can't darn. do that. I was gonna say she's just she's twenty three years old and she was on Ellen DeGeneres the other day <laughs> and she said Ellen was trying to fix her up. She said, you know, you're young and you're beautiful and you're an Academy Award nominated actress. She's never won. But holy cow, watch out for this girl. Mm-hmm. She is wonderful. She's only twenty three years old. Yeah, either twenty three or twenty three. Yeah, well, she hosted Saturday Night Live already. Yeah. she's been on the uh, super popular show with Game of Thrones. She's um she's Irish. Yes, she's played she she plays Mary Queen of Scotland. Wow, and oh my god, I never wanted to learn so much about a character. Mm-hmm. You know, I immediately, of course, went to Wikipedia and Googled Mary Queen of Scots and started reading. That's a great movie if it makes you want to learn more about the character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and who's not getting a lot of mention is Margot Robbie. Or is it Margot Robbie or Margot Robbie? Robbie, I think. Okay, Margot Robbie. Beautiful, right? Yeah. Gorgeous. She played Queen Elizabeth, who was afflicted with smallpox. And they had the makeup on her. I'm telling you, this movie needs to win an award. For the makeup. For the makeup. They made Margot Robbie, who was gorgeous, look atrocious she it's funny too they kind of did that with that tanya harding movie with her yes. last year too and she's she seems to kind of be into that she's a great actress yeah yeah i really like it so academy award nominations will be tomorrow uh, i believe at 5 30 in the morning la time which would be about 7 30 our time so dean richards will have all of that set those clocks yeah man. set those clocks or just let me know who gets nominated <laughs> right, when yeah. I wake up about 8.30. Yeah, you can see the alerts <laughs> right. later. I'll go to my phone. We'll have more after this on 720 WGN. Michael Heideman is our executive producer. Don Kleppen, our news anchor tonight. Michael, you're getting a lot of texts. People want to return from Malcolm, from Michael J. Foxy, so we're going to have to arrange that. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Chuck, my number one fan yeah. out there. Uh, we, Love I, Chuck. I'm more than able and happy. Okay, More good. than able, happy, yeah, whatever. All of the above. All of the above to come up back on and play a little music for everybody. I would absolutely love that. I think everybody would love that. And speaking of music, <laughs> you're going to be at the Grammys mm-hmm, mm-hmm. coming up. This is so cool. Yeah, I, I thought I'd dive in. I got, I was, you know, I've always been interested in music and there was, uh, I saw the opportunity to join the Grammy committee and uh, here in Chicago, we have a great, great footprint with all of our artists and I got into communication with a lot of the people who work for the Grammys and ended up signing up. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm this is the year. I'm going to go to L.A. and I'm going to try to speak to all the artists I want to speak, kind of um, see what it's all about. Like it, That was always my dream. That's like my Oscars is that the Grammy That is so Awards. cool. you got to be a reporter on the scene. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you have, we have to do a pre, kind of a pre-interview with you, a pre-show, what you're going to look for, you know, who the big nominees are going to be. Brandi Carlisle's nominated for six Grammys. I saw that. That's I saw my that. only connection. I can. I have a friend of a friend who's friends with her. You think she, <laughs> so, will she beat out Cardi B is the real question. Oh, I don't know. Boy. 
boy, Cardi B's been all over the news. Mm-hmm. She's hopping into politics and everything. Yeah, uh, She's Brandi- got to say on everything. Brandi Carlisle doesn't hit up Twitter and uh, Instagram as much as uh, Cardi B does. No, she puts a lot of family pictures on Instagram, which I think is super cute. So, yeah, so Brandi will be there. You'll be covering the Grammys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to do some reports for us when you're there. Mm-hmm. And then when you come back, a huge wrap-up. Oh, I I can't wait to just dive into this. And, and, and I will let everybody know exactly how it went down. Um, and hopefully I'll be... Maybe I'll be a seat filler there, too. Oh, yeah. Now, you wait, I have to ask you. You've covered Lala. You've covered Riot Fest. You've covered some of the biggest music festivals all over the country and mm-hmm. in Chicago, too. Who is the guest? Who would be your dream guest guest at the Grammys? Like someone who's going to be there. Hmm. That you could that you could potentially interview. Oh, this is going to be your goal. Well, you'd want to talk to the people with the mo- with the greatest stories, I suppose. I mean, is man. it a Cardi B? No, it no. would not be Cardi B. It would not be. <laughs> I, <think so. laughs> I feel like I wouldn't get a word in edgewise with Cardi B. It'd have to be. It'd have to. And no offense to Cardi B. No, by the way. she's right. she's, she's actually listening. a really I'm cool sure. person. I'm sure. Um, I, I you know it'd probably be someone like uh, Keith Richards or um, maybe somebody from Queen like Brian May who plays oh. guitar, who's also an astrophysicist. Paul McCartney would be amazing. I don't know if he's going to be at the Grammys this I year, but bet you could get a Brian May interview. We're going to work on that. Yes, we should. We are going to work on that. So Michael Heideman is going to be covering the Grammys this year. When do you leave <laughs> for uh, for LA? February eighth. So it's, I think the show is on the tenth. So I'll be there uh 8th 9th and then i'll leave the next day okay good so we'll do a preview with you mm-hmm. and then a few uh interviews during and then we'll do a wrap-up when you come back I, if i can get brandy carlisle to say hi to you on like oh. an instagram live i will send it right away to you that would be fantastic <laughs> oh god i would love that okay, all right cool perfect. much more hijinks and merriment uh right here on andrea's chicago rhino fest is coming up what is that we'll tell you after the news <laughs> Chicago's longest-running Fringe Theater Festival, the Rhinoceros Festival, or as we affectionately call it, Rhino Fest. Coming to Chicago, Olivia Lilly and Stefan Brunn, the proprietors of Rhino Fest. Well, you got well, about it's the Rhinoceros Theater Festival. It began in 1988. Tell us a little bit about the Rhinoceros Theater Festival and, and Rhino Fest and how it got its name and where it came from. Rhino Fest started in at 30 years ago. On North Avenue, there was the garage, which is where the prop theater was, and across the street there was a basement where the Curious Theater branch was, and there was an open lot where there was a regular summer art show. And there were a lot of, I think, AIDS activists, so forth, including the artist Chris Hill, yeah. who makes that beautiful rhino that we still have today as the logo of the Rhino Fest. And it began as an art fair, a lot of visual artists. And by its second year and onward, Bo O'Reilly and Jenny Magnus of the Curious theater branch really took it and made it theirs and it moved through the years it used to be in many many venues for a long time it was based at the lunar cabaret and only about 10 years ago did it find its home at the new prop theater venue i absolutely love that and it got its name from rhinocerific which means something that's really big people think it comes from rhinoceros the famous play by eugene ionesco and bo o'reilly actually directed rhinoceros two years ago just before our current political situation and it was very prescient but it's not based on that it's always we've had it rhinocerific used to be a term for something really big and because this is a we have 42 different shows in one theater with two different performance spaces in it over a period of a month and a half. It really is rhinocerific. Okay, so 42 different th- different performances, different shows. How is that even possible? 
I mean, it's hard enough, you know, when you have one big ensemble where where if it's downtown or at a, a, a large theater and they do, what, 10 performances in a, in a week or in a month, you know, so it's some, how do you do that? Well, this year I was uh, part of the curating team with the founders, Jenny and Bo. This year, uh, in, uh, Rhino Fest turns 30 and I also turned 30. Oh, happy 30th. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so we uh, really, we sat down for five hours and walked through every single proposal and tried to vet out uh, who had some self-producing experience. Were these ex- ideas exciting? Um, and then we uh, made our selection based on that. So essentially we house all these productions but as to how they rehearse and where they rehearse and who's involved that is up to the individual artists okay how hard is it to select i mean because i'm sure you get dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens you have to whittle it down how hard is that or is it a fun process? Uh, it's pretty fun. Sometimes we're all in a hundred percent agreement. Like for example, there's a a, a group that's uh, uh, improvisers, but they are all psychotherapists, and they're really? it's called scenes from a mental uh, health facility. Okay, um, and that one pretty much across the board, we were like, we want to see that absolutely. So they're all playing Sundays at five, right? Yeah. And one of the wonderful things about them is they actually came in. We also in the year are a rental, and they came to us and said, we do this occasionally we want to perform more often what do you think about us renting once a month at prop so we it's not so hard because people come by all sorts of ways and olivia coming as the new artistic director of the prop theater connected us up to a whole new generation of performers and people making new theater in chicago so it got easier this year than it has been before because we had a stronger curating team how do they do they submit their entries i mean or is this just they perform for you is it kind of of a skit or a sketch that they just perform for you and then you decide how it's, how's the process it's all written applications um one of the so the prop uh every year has like a little house show that we uh curate and this year we selected a podcast um what about chicago um to create a wait wait don't tell me style live podcast show I every saturday night show. yes yeah um, so, uh, it comes in us fr- from us from a-, a million ways. I basically went to the-, the guys that run that and I was like, I would love for you to pitch something to Rhino. And then they pitched that. And I was like, Oh, absolutely. We and need to do this. So, but at this point, it is just a pitch until you actually see it. So once they get to the next level, is that when the, the performances begin? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, they opened on Saturday night. Okay. And there are different ways that people come in because the goal with Rhino Fest is always to get new ideas, new talent. And also veterans and people who have been doing it for a long time. So there's people like Charles Pike, who is coming in from New Mexico, who used to be in Chicago, part of the Beckett Boys, and is coming in for a special performance, the penultimate week where he's doing David Hopchine. So there are, he's doing plays by him called The Swim Club. And there are things that are David Hopchine and Charles Pike are old veterans. Matt Test is a composer who's been around. So it's always a mix of people who come to us completely fresh through written submissions and then usually someone from the curating team speaks with them and people we've known a long time and are have a multi-year conversation and with. there's also um some uh some super groups almost of so there's kelly anchors who's star who um uh is is creating a piece with violet who is a, a young person who lives in hostile euphoria with ben and rahim um, so it's two generations coming together and making work. So that's what I was going to ask. How cool is that when you see the people coming back from New Mexico or wherever they are, the veterans coming back to kind of, you know, not pass on the torch, but continue carrying the torch, but kind of sure. mentor and the there younger is some actors. passing on the torch. It, it's kind Absolutely. of a feeling, isn't it? It is. It's a wonderful feeling. In the case of Charles Pike, his daughter 
Zoe Pike produces the Up Loose Auditorium, which is something we have all year round on the first Fridays, but in RhinoFest there's two of them because we go over two months. So it really is passing on the torch. And the oldest person we're celebrating, John Starrs, a wonderful poet, is in his 90s. And the youngest performers we have are 15, 16-year-olds making their own work and creating their own plays. They've been doing it for multiple years. My daughter... Leo oh. Brun, Giselle Greenberg, Sita Whitaker, the Pink Elephant Collective. So there's a real range of ages. And this year, Leo is working with older actors instead of just with the teenager and building a work with a mix. And going across the generations is really something, as well as bringing in people's work who we normally don't hear from in the performance world. And that's something Olivia has really been working with, people who are outside of our normal theater experience. Yeah, we have um, a Commedia dell'arte piece uh, about a monk who, uh, pretty sure he... Uh, hmm. He he's had some wild idea about the universe okay. and was put I was on say, trial it's a family for show. it. Okay, <laughs> it's called Infinity Burns. Ooh, and I think it's a Commedia dell'arte piece. Um, and I remember a year ago, uh, the creator Felix Abador he went to one audition like the first week he moved to Chicago, and someone told him to meet me. So he showed up at the prop. Like I met him like three days after he got there. And uh, he just did a workshop, and now he's got a rhino rhino show. So oh, cool! Like, and he had just moved here from California, doing a uh, Blue Lake, the the master's program in like physical theater. So, it, what sounds so unique to me as well is the collaboration. I mean, you have different actors, so they don't necessarily have to be a member of the organization. They could be just a Chicago actor or somebody coming Absolutely. into town, but all of the collaboration coming together for Rhino Fest. Yeah, it could be someone's first play. It could be uh, like a, a scenic designer wants to to make a dance piece. Like there's a million different kind of um, breakdowns of how this, how people um, choose to uh, curate their Rhino Fest experience. One of the things I like is it really does go from um, Eileen Tull, who really just stands at the microphone and magically spins written work and and spoken word to full plays bicycle thieves the Scriker, a wonderful play by carol churchill that is just scary and magical these are full productions of full plays going on and and so you can see a real range of very very different work all the way from solo very minimal work to fully realized productions to a magical comedy about the plague Uh pestilence wow on thursdays (laughs) And why wouldn't that be a magical comedy? Come on. Yeah. You got to make light of it. We were just talking about that. One of the movies that uh, we expect to be nominated for an Oscar was um, um, Mary, Queen of Scots, and how Queen Elizabeth is played by Margot Robbie, who is beautiful. And I said they should win a makeup award because she had smallpox. And then they had a big segment about the movie talking about the plague and smallpox. And just the makeup in this was, was wonderful. But I know I digress, so I apologize for that. But the camaraderie of theater in Chicago. I see it. I don't necessarily think it's there in other cities. Maybe it is. Maybe off-Broadway in New York. But do you get that sense of camaraderie in the Chicago theater community as well? Like all the different theater groups will try and help each other out or pass actors around too. You know, you go from one to the other. I know there's a loyalty too, but there just seems to be a camaraderie amongst the Chicago theater I, do th- I think so. I think Chicago is a really special place. The Guardian newspaper said it's the 
most vital place for experimental theater. I think it comes from our background with Second City. I claim it comes from a background with a lot of Brecht productions. I think the fact that colleges and universities are the number one business in Chicago makes it a wonderful place for incubating and experimenting and trying out new work. I think the lower prices of real estate, where you don't lose somebody a million dollars with an experiment, there's a lot of great things about this place. Yeah, and it's really interesting seeing like the different uh, places doing co-productions and the sort of crossover acts like we have a Dave Maher a a very well-known Chicago comedian doing his show about how he almost died Um, I was there during uh, that whole thing in real life so it's really fun that he's going to be in this uh, because worlds are truly colliding oh wow now that that piqued my interest too yeah I'm gonna have to get out there we're talking to Olivia Lilly and Stefan Braun from about Rhino Fest and we will talk more about the festival how you can get tickets how you can see um, not all well if you can see all the 42 different shows more power to you. I'll <laughs> tell you how to do it after this on 720 WGN. John Cleppin's News at 9.30 was sponsored by VictoryAutoRecords.com. We continue our conversation on Andrea Chicago about Rhino Fest with Olivia Lilly and Stefan Brunn. And we were talking a little bit off the air about some of the shows that are going to be uh, participating in Rhino Fest. There's 42 different shows. If you could see them all, great. If you could see half, that would be great. Go, go see them all. You get enough time. It goes through February 24th at the Prop Theater, 3502 North Elston Avenue. Olivia, and you were telling us a story. So many times our conversations off the air are so funny. I'll always say, wait, just hold on. You need to tell the story on the air. So we were talking about some of the performances, some of the plays, some of the sketches that we could see at Rhino Fest. And you mentioned this play. You were calling it the Coma Play. Yeah, so uh, Dave Maher, uh, he is performing only two days of Rhino Fest, uh, January 26th at 3 p.m. And January 27th at 3 p.m. So I met, I met Dave because Dave used to throw an open mic in my basement when I had a DIY house. Okay. And about uh, five... In 2014, he went into a coma. Um, and uh, I was friends with him. And, and there's so many comedians, improvisers that were friends with him. And we got a message on Facebook from the parents that they were going to pull the plug. And that we had to all get to the hospital to say our goodbyes. Okay, so, didn't look good. No, You're going it, to say goodbye to your friend. Yeah, so we all went to the hospital. And it was, of course, like improvisers in one room, comedians in the other, because they don't like each other. And we all went in like <laughs> one by one and like said goodbye to Dave and like thought he was dead and like wrote messages on facebook to him right. thinking that like maybe they will get to heaven one day sure um, and, and you you had an irish wake yeah and then we had an him. irish wake we all told wonderful stories about dave and then we all kind of accepted like it might be over and it's probably over and then uh his parents decided not to and they flew his body to ohio to his home hospital and he woke up a week later oh my god and then he uh he crafted a monologue uh at the paper machete as his first like public appearance after the thing and then he started working on this show the coma show for uh a a really long time and he just took it to edinburgh fringe it was uh, in residence of the annoyance for a while um and yeah he's an incredible artist and i like was behind the scenes for all these events what a great great story and he turns it into a performance which i'm sure is just emotional and and part funny yes. <laughs> i mean it is when you were telling me the story i didn't want to laugh but i thought all right it has a happy ending so it does have he a happy lives ending. to tell about it yeah. and this is just some of the uh, the plays that you could see at rhino fest how can people find out more all about the performances and tell us where the theater's located it's a great neighborhood a great area tell us more we're really excited to be in avondale right on elston avenue right 
one block south of the tri-corner of Kedzie, Addison, and Elston. And when we moved into that neighborhood over a decade ago, it was just coming, and there was Chief O'Neill's across the street was the beautiful Irish pub, which has music and performances there also. And they were already there, but there wasn't much else in the neighborhood. Meanwhile, it has really become a welcoming neighborhood. Next door to us has moved in Parachute, who actually got a Michelin star, a wonderful Asian fusion little family restaurant. There's a Chipotle and all sorts of things have moved in. A German restaurant is getting ready to open up down the street. And so we found that in the last years, people are finding, largely also through the Divi bikes that have built up a, a stop right across the street from us that there are so many ways whether you're coming on the blue line and coming to belmont or the addison stop which we're right between whether you're coming down the addison bus or the belmont bus that comes all night or whether you come over on a divvy bike or take your car and come to one neighborhood where there aren't parking meters yet they haven't put any parking meters up on elston avenue or in our neighborhood and so we get a lot of people from the suburbs who don't want to drive through the whole city, don't want to pay for parking at night, and they find a welcoming place. And the tickets are only $15 in advance. You can pay what you can at the door, but $15. It's that's cheaper, important. It's cheaper to go see the, the plays than it is to park. You know, so. that's really important for us, <laughs> and I think that's price. the center of Rhino Fest. We've always been pay what you can for all 30 years, and we really mean it. We don't shame people at the door. We don't cajole people. And what we found is, yeah, there is a lot of people who come, and they may pay students $2, $5, come see a show. We also get people who come to see the first show, and then stay for another one and another one and another one and we also get people who come in and say you know what i'm giving you 20 i think it's wonderful i think it's generous it's rhinofest.com it's the prop theater what do you want everyone to take away from rhinofest this year I think that it's a place, uh, uh, whether you're an artist or an audience member, you're going to go and you're going to have a unique experience every night of the week, except for Tuesdays, um, at multiple times every night of the week. Um, and it's, it's a great, like an exchange. Like it's a really wonderful place for artists to see, especially theater artists to see what other theater artists are doing in the city right now. Um, and for, uh, those who really want to get in on the, the trends and all the innovation that's happening, Rhino Fest is the place to discover it so support chicago theaters yeah there support chicago theater in the year of in chicago the theater I 2019 right. and understand right. that experiment and community is as important as business and the best shows in business come from a wide incubation of all sorts of new ideas and there needs to be a place for that and we feel the non-business view that we have where it's about the art and that we're allowed to do that is a wonderful thing about rhino fest it is indeed again it's rhinofest.com get your tickets now it runs through february 24th thank you so much thank you thank you more after this on wgn